What if it rained food? What if Earth was a cube? What if we had nine lives? What if bits could fly? It's absurd. If money grew on trees, if we didn't have knees, if we walked through life slightly magnetical, it's absurd. Absurd hypotheticals. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals, the show where we overthink dumb questions so you don't have to. I'm your host, Marcus Lehner. And I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hi, guys. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Ben. Guys, I'm excited for today because we're just ripping off a movie. <laughs> That's <laughs> how we know fun. it's going to be good. It's worked for us well for us in the past. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that movie is Night at the Museum. So our question for today is, which museum would win in a fight? So basically how we're going to do this is Night at the Museum style, the exhibits in your museum that you've chosen come to life and you send that museum army to our good old battlegrounds of central park and then we're going to figure out which museum has the best stuff to win in a fight yeah because we've done fight episodes in the in the past and usually it's like superpowers or like abilities of characters yeah usually it makes more sense than this yeah usually it makes more sense (laughs) but instead i guess the abilities are just the exhibits that we have well i mean we've gotten our abilities from the random superpower wiki so they may not have necessarily made more sense in the past but yeah basically you have in the exhibit if you have you know models or skeletons or i guess live exhibits too yeah i think there's some some like creative liberties that we can take with like how these exhibits come to life right basically it's like how i think the movie would interpret this Mm -hmm. right so I'll start because I actually went with the one from the music from the movie, which is the American Museum of Natural History. Oh, really? Is this it was specifically that one? Yeah, it was specifically that one. I didn't know that. Never actually saw it. Can, can I also say I had a moment where I didn't either, and I had a moment where I couldn't remember if it was Ben Stiller or Nicolas Cage in Night at the <laughs> Museum, and I really wish it was Nicolas Cage in Night at the Museum. <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that movie. National Treasure Night at the Museum crossover. Yeah. Coming soon to theaters near you. Once they hear about it here on this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one thing I realized when I was researching this, is you got to be careful about the name of your museum when it's kind of generic, like the Museum of Natural History, because I definitely had a bunch of stuff written down that was for the wrong Museum of Natural History. <laughs> um, <laughs> this like whole thing for uh, Dippy the Diplococcus, which is a brontosaurus skeleton that is in the Museum of Natural History in London. I also learned that it's actually not a real skeleton. It's a cast of a skeleton in Pittsburgh, which I thought was kind of interesting that they just, you know, copy pasted it into their museum. But then what I liked about it was just like, you know, it's, it's like the big centerpiece in their main hall because obviously it's huge. And they're like, yeah, we're replacing this with a, um, with a blue whale skeleton, which is fine that we purchased for 250 pounds. Uh, in 1890. That checks out better. <laughs> but like that, I was like, 250 pounds like that's a donation right like just like (laughs) and then 1890 and i guess it's just they had a big blue whale skeleton like stored for 130 years and like oh yeah now it's time to break out this dusty old bad boy (laughs) we'll set this guy up how how do you how do you store that crates i think big room (laughs) yeah i guess i was imagining it was it was put together but i guess you don't have to put it together Man, I wish I had watched one of those specials where they show how the museums actually store all their things because, like, only, like, a fraction of what a museum has actually ever on display, like, the the conservation efforts, there's, like, that's, like, the bulk of it. I mean, it's just that that scene from the end of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Mm. There's, like, a giant warehouse full of crates. Yeah. Yeah, like that, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't watch the special, so I don't actually have a good idea of what they do with all their shit that's not on display. But I think it's safe to say we all use what was on display for our answers. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what's in our actual natural history museum? The correct one, after I deleted all the bad stuff. First and foremost, first thing you think of is dinosaur skeletons. And we got, luckily, the big old T-Rex, the biggest, baddest dinosaur, 40 feet long. Fun fact about T-Rexes, just to kind of give a general sh- value of how strong they are. I like that in a little video I watched, they referred to the T-Rexes as probably stealth predators, which seems pretty (laughs) impressive (laughs) for something that is 40 feet long and, you know, is just giant feet and mouth. Giant feet and mouth. The (laughs) T-Rex. Plus a tail. Not so much in the arms department. 
But one thing I did learn that is, I think, a good metric is the teeth of the T-Rex are actually fairly stout and blunt because they don't so much as bite through things as much as they bit things so hard their prey would literally explode. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. So that's that's what I'm starting with. I'm starting with my nice 40-foot exploded-mouth T-Rex skeleton among just a, a plethora of other dinosaur skeletons. We got the Apatosaurus, which is like a Brontosaurus, but smaller. Uh, we have the Stegosaurus. We have the Triceratops. We got the Velociraptors. We got like half a dozen other ones I don't, I couldn't remember and didn't care about. Um, but their biggest dinosaur skeleton is literally just called the Titanosaur. It is a 112 foot long sauropod. So it looks like a Brontosaurus, but is bigger than a Brontosaurus. It is the biggest land animal. Is that, that is that the one that Ben covered in our dinosaur episode or not? Um, you, I was like, just you trying cover to cover the Dreadnoughtus. It was the Dreadnoughtus, oh, right, yes. Yeah, okay. Which is very similar in size to the Titanosaur. Both of them had cool names. So Yeah, I was like, I knew it was a cool name. I don't think it was that cool name, though. <laughs> so, Dinosaur Skeletons Out the Wazoo and currently exhibiting at the Museum of Natural History is the exhibit T-Rex, the Ultimate Predator. So, in addition to the skeleton... They have a life-size model of what the T-Rex would have looked like, skin and bones and all. And also a whole little family form to show its development cycle. So there's like a four-year-old T-Rex, like a young (laughs) T-Rex. So I have all the skeletons plus live family T-Rex. So you guys are going to have a lot of T-Rexes to deal with. (laughs) But dinosaurs isn't all they have. Uh, They got some other stuff. One of the most famous ones um, is, of course, they have a giant blue whale, a life-size blue whale model that's hanging from the ceiling in their um, ocean display area is is that going to be useful in our our uh venue (laughs) so what i have written down here is 94 feet long but not super useful (laughs) okay (laughs) even in the water because they also have a model of a giant squid that's fighting a sperm whale the sperm whale is just a head um a sperm whale is a more dangerous whale than blue whale because it's predatory but it's just the head of it so i'm not counting that but the giant squid is all there so if I'm if we're doing water combat, I think the giant squid's better than the blue whale generally. Did we did we say that we're in Central Park yet, or did we not? No, we haven't. So I guess <laughs> setting the stage. A little bit. <laughs> oh no, I think I did mention it in the in, in our. No, I, can't I don't think you did actually. In any case, we're in Central as Park. we do with all our fight episodes. We like to stage our fights in Central Park. Conveniently, my museum is right across the street from it. That's not why we chose it. It's just Central Park just seems to have the perfect mix of like land and water and rocks and you know trees and buildings around it i guess it just is a nice battleground if we found so that's where we're eventually going to be fighting our museums but beyond that there's just like there's just infinite exhibits in the museum like there's literally i have lions and tigers and bears and oh elephants and, <laughs> and bison and primates of all types um i got some more skeletons in their advanced mammals is what they call the exhibit. Um, but there I got the mammoth, the mastodon, and the giant ground sloth. Ooh, giant ground sloth. Which doesn't sound that intimidating until you realize it's actually 20 feet tall. And then it's just like, oh, that's... If you just scale things up big enough, it's kind of crazy. So is it just a normal sloth that's 20 feet tall? <laughs> Basically, yes. The, the, if it's the one I'm thinking of, they actually have one at um, one of the museums where by Harvard, and it's terrifying. It's scary looking. Google it. Giant ground sloth. We'll fuck you up. Slowly. And the last <laughs> thing, um, maybe? I don't know how slow it would be. I think it was more of a normal speed animal compared to our sloths that we have now. The last skeleton I think I'm going to mention here is I just thought it was fun because it'll pair well with um, some of the human exhibits, is the stages of evolutionary horses. So they had like a kind of time scale of horse skeletons from throughout history. So they had like six different levels of horse evolution, which I thought were just kind of, would be kind of a funny image of just like these weird ass horses running <laughs> down the street. So that's kind of the animals and the dinosaurs. We got some other stuff here too. I think the, uh, the general of my forces is the giant statue of... Uh, Teddy Roosevelt that's out in front you mean Robin Williams <laughs> Robin <laughs> Williams out front yeah it looks like Teddy's about 10 foot tall at least in the statue so he's the big one 
but then you're also going to need your lieutenants. And luckily, there's a whole exhibition hall of Teddy Roosevelt um, in all different stages of his life. So I've got at least four more Teddy Roosevelts to go around <laughs> to, to lead my forces. I don't know how handy they will be compared to the dinosaurs. So I kind of just have them listed here. We also have a lot of human exhibits uh, of humans through history. Plain and Woodland Indians, African Pacific Islanders, Asian Central Americans, etc., etc., etc. Some less useful exhibits, the the minerals exhibits, <laughs> the Hall of Gems, unless we introduce some, you know, funding your armies over time type <laughs> scenarios. I don't think I'm going to be worrying about those. So basically what I have is just the, the most giant animal army, you know, spearheaded by giant dinosaur skeletons. And led by Teddy's Roosevelt. <laughs> yeah, right, Teddy, the, the Teddy's Roosevelt's. The last thing I have here is the last exhibit that has not to do with animals or people or dinosaurs or rocks is the space part of the museum. I forget what it's called off the top of my head. The planetarium, uh, the Hayden, the Hayden something. The big thing is the Hayden sphere. Um, so basically they have this huge room and in the middle of the room is a big sphere that is their IMAX theater, like 3D planetarium IMAX theater. But what they did is they turned the outside of it into an exhibit and it's basically, they call it the size scales of the universe. And the way the exhibit works is there's this big gray sphere in the middle. And then as you walk around the hallways around it, they'll have models of different things and be like, hey, if this is, you know, the Earth, the sphere that you're looking at in the middle, this 87 foot diameter sphere, is what the, the size of the sun. And so while the Hayden sphere itself, the big 87 foot ball, isn't anything consistent, so I'm not using it as a, as a, as a fighting feature because it's not really anything except a literally a big circle object the things around it would represent what they are and i was like oh they fucked up because one of the little models about the size of a baseball is a sun <laughs> so i was like hey let's find out what happens if you have a uh, a baseball sized sun in your hand and what that's gonna do to the math here so i just went real basic because there's a million ways you could you can try and convert sun into baseball but i did it by volume so if you take the volume of the sun and its energy output and divide that by the volume ratio of it to a baseball, that baseball, that little baseball, is going to produce 0. 0.0005 watts of energy, which would be like the equivalent of taking a straight hit of moonlight to the face. <laughs> so. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, got this, <laughs> I got this like unit of measurement. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to find that's 0. 0.0005 watts? And it turns out, this comes up when people ask why solar panels don't work off moonlight. And because that's how much energy a square meter of moonlight produces. So if you are by an open window at nighttime, that ex that light exposure is going to be the equivalent of what's radiating off this um, little baseball sun. That said, it would be very, very hot. So don't touch it. It's just not going to like blow up everything immediately. But that's kind of what I got. I feel like I've kind of set the baseline here you set a pretty high bar <laughs> with your uh, dinosaurs and foot high bar yeah yeah uh chris what was what museum did you pick um so i picked the museum of science in boston because all of us are from boston and i'm sure i know i've been there i'm sure both of you have too yeah i have it's cool it is it's a cool. cool museum so i started out by looking at some of the more typical stuff stuff that uh marcus has in his museum so i did have some dinosaurs probably not as many as you but i had uh they had two displays of triceratops skeletons and then they have uh, like a full body t-rex inside like fre flesh and bones and then they also have one outside so there's two t-rexes there so dinosaurs are pretty good i guess not compared to you but still pretty good i mean we have we have the you, you the two big T Rexes from both of our sides may counter each other. Yeah, they cancel <laughs> each other out. But you have a T Rex family, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but now you're not fighting big full ones. You're fighting like a four year old T Rex who is admittedly still big, but not quite as big. <laughs> um, and there was a, a some sort of flying dinosaur in there, but I didn't. I couldn't figure out what kind of dinosaur it was because there's no like. I was basing my information on like zoomed in Google Maps things because <laughs> their website wasn't that great but yeah there's some sort of flying dinosaur in there too uh so those are dinosaurs and then i also had animals 
There's like a whole animal section. And there were a lot of animals. Not all of them were useful for fights. But I had the typical ones. I had um, lions, tigers, and bears, like you, Ben. What? You didn't say it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you said it for Marcus and not for me. Oh, my. Yay. There you go. go <laughs> I, like, that I, like, I was also confused why you were waiting. <laughs> no, I knew 100% what he was looking for. <laughs> there are also cougars and foxes, the cheetahs, wolves, leopards, moose. Oh, my. <laughs> and then they had some, some birds, too. They had falcons and owls, stuff like that. And then there was one one model of, I guess they have like a giant grasshopper. So the grasshopper is like, it's like a five foot tall grasshopper and like 10 foot long. That's just an approximation, but it's a really big grasshopper. I don't really know that much about grasshoppers, but I think a big grasshopper would be scary. <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would be scary. Effective, probably not. Well, they jump, right? I think. Well, not a five foot grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it would be proportional. I think. I don't know. I don't know. How we, can, we, can that just, works. We, we can we can tackle how we how we scale up the bugs because I know we've we've done before. Um, scaling up bugs doesn't really work, right? The way that muscles work, but I don't know. Yeah, I have a giant grasshopper. That's the the main point. <laughs> the salient point here is that I have a giant. In addition to all those animals, there was like a hunting room. It was called the Colby Trophy Room. I guess it was like a donation from a guy named Francis Thomas Colby or Thompson Colby, Francis Thompson Colby. And he was like really big into hunting, I guess. So this room has like a bunch of animal heads, which aren't really useful. But also in this room, there were a bunch of guns in there. So guns are useful. (laughs) Guns are good. (laughs) They're mainly like hunting rifles. So... But but they are guns, and then getting to some more some of the more like sciencey stuff because this is a science museum. I mean that those animals are sciencey stuff, but they have like a live show in the museum of science called it's just lightning exclamation point, and <laughs> <laughs> that's just what it's called. In this live demonstration, they have like a really big Van der Graaff generator, which is just like a the way it works. I guess is they they use a motor that there's like a motor inside that rubs against a rod and that creates like a charge on the surface of the generator. And then they can like, if they put a grounding rod next to it, then they can like make lightning bolts shoot out of it. It's the, it's the big like donut shaped metal thing on a stick that you see in all the, the shows shooting lightning out. Yeah. It's like a globe on a stick sort of. And the one that they have is actually the world's largest air insulated one. So it's a really big one. Looking a little more into Van de Graaff generators, they tend to be, uh, like it is really high voltage, but they tend to be low current, which usually means it's not really that dangerous. I'm not entirely sure if this is dangerous or not. <laughs> um, I, I went to the show. It is dangerous. Um, I don't know if it would straight out kill you. Yeah, I don't know how lethal it is. But being in that room and like hearing it. It's um, loud. It's definitely it's- loud. It's loud and spooky, and they do take decent safety precautions. Yeah, they have like um, metal rods in front of the audience so that the electricity goes to those instead of the audience. And there's like a, they have a demonstration where there's a guy in a uh, Faraday cage, which is just a cage like uh, surrounded in metal, so that he stays in the cage and the lightning travels through the cage instead of him. And that's how they like demonstrate how electricity works. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I'm just thinking, I'm like, a Faraday cage is just a speci- isn't a specific thing, is it? It's just any cage being struck by lightning is technically a Faraday cage. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that one's I guess, is dangerous. And then they also have a bunch of Tesla coils in there. And I guess Tesla coils are considered, like, generally more dangerous than Van der Graaff generators. Um, they're not as big as, as the Van der Graaff that they have, but they have, like, multiple Tesla cable, uh, coils. So... We have things that can shoot out lightning bolts and are scary that way. Um, so that can be useful. There's also another live demonstration called Super Cold Science, where they demonstrated the effects of liquid nitrogen on different gases and other materials and things. Um, so I figured I could probably use that 
in some sort of weapon or something. I don't know exactly how I'm going to use it, but liquid nitrogen seems like it would be useful. And then they had a section with robots. So they have some robots. Some of them didn't look that useful, but they did have the Cheetah 2, which was uh, made by from MIT. The Cheetah 2 is just like a running robot that can like run and jump and stuff. Oh, is that the really creepy one that's like on four legs? Uh, there are a bunch of really creepy ones. I don't know. I don't know. think it's the one you're thinking. I think that's like that's Boston Dynamics. Yeah, I think that's the famous creepy one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, this one's a little less creepy. This one looks more dopey. This one looks a bit dopey. <laughs> yeah. Again, I don't know how effective it would be in a fight because it's not designed to fight, but it can like run and jump and stuff. And then they also had another robot type that they had was a Robo B developed at Harvard. So they, I don't know exactly what these Robo Bs do, but I assume they're, they're flying little <laughs> robot things. <laughs> and I don't know how many they have, but if there's swarms of them, then they could be useful. They are apparently autonomous flying micro robots. Yeah. They measure about half the size of a paperclip. And weigh less than one-tenth of a gram. There was a Black Mirror episode centered around robo-bees, and the robo-bees were killing people. So, <laughs> potential there. <laughs> <laughs> if, we, if we start making some morally ambiguous choices, maybe we are karmically punished by the robo-bees. <laughs> and then there, there was a section dedicated to humans. It was called the Hall of Human Life. And for some reason, in the Hall of Human Life, they had more bees, like normal bees. I don't know why. <laughs> but <laughs> I have normal bees, too. And then, uh, more fitting to this section, they had, like, models of human skeletons and, like, models showing off, like, how the muscles in the human body are and stuff. So I have human m muscle skeleton model things. I don't have, like, a full a fully skinned human, but I have, like, muscle human. So... I have those. Congrats. <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> I, they'll, they'll actually be useful because they can like use the guns and stuff. I need... The guns are useless if nobody can use them. But I have muscle humans to use them. Did you have a hall of people? Well, it's called the Hall of Human Life, but they only... They don't have fully skinned people. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> and in this Hall of Human Life, they also have a human brain on display. And I, I feel like... I can make this like my commander. I, this can be like the guy that's the, the brain that's in charge of everything and like delegating everything. But it's yeah, just, just a brain. It's a disembodied brain. It doesn't mean it's a smart brain. It has brain. to be a smart brain. It's, it's like the example in every science fiction movie. So it has to. And then at the Museum of Science, there have been some like movie related exhibits. There have been like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. I didn't include those two because those are both traveling exhibits and they just like travel from museum to museum i didn't think that counted but there was one exhibit called the science behind pixar and this is also a traveling exhibit but the thing is the museum of science helped create this exhibit they like had a hand in developing it so i felt like i could count this one yeah i'll count it and the point of this exhibit was to like show the process of the of animation how it works so like showed like the modeling of characters and like the rigging and lighting and just all the different aspects of animation and that's kind of irrelevant to this like this fight but what is relevant is that they had statues of their characters on the floor so they had statues of like buzz they had uh mike and sully from monsters inc they had wally they had dory i was really really hoping this is so before we started recording, I said that I told you guys I almost got really lucky, but then I didn't. And that was because I was hoping they'd have some Incredibles, and they didn't. Oh, yeah. That would have been good. If they had some of the Incredibles, they would have been good. Or like like Big Hero 6? They didn't have any Big Hero 6 either. Well. Big Hero 6 is not Pixar. Oh, it's not. wasn't right. Here's the question. Is, is, Buzz, is, a, is a full-size Buzz Lightyear... That came to life. Buzz Lightyear in fiction or Buzz Lightyear toy? No, I think it's, it's the Buzz it's Lightyear toy. toy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. So okay. it has a much larger LED say. that lights up on his wrist. I mean, Sully from Monsters, Inc. could be useful. He's a He's pretty big, good. giant yeah. monster. Um, and then they also... So they did have a character from The Incredibles. It was Edna Mode. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be stylish. 
Yeah, at least stylish. But she's actually, like, she's an inventor. So she can, like, in the movies, she made their their costumes, and the costumes were, like, bulletproof and fireproof. I don't necessarily think, well, she'll provide those for my team, but she could probably operate all, like, the Tesla coils and uh, liquid nitrogen weapon stuff. That's fair. Okay. Do yeah. that stuff. I like that. That works. And she might she might create a suit for your skinless people. I mean, just for her own sanity. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just stop Maybe. looking at them. Right. Yeah, so that's basically all I had. I guess everything that Marcus had except less. And then <laughs> <laughs> and then a few extra cool things here and there. So uh Ben, what museum did you look at? So I went a little different. I went with an art museum. Specifically the Solomon R. Guggenheim Museum which is what you think of if someone just says the Guggenheim, it's that one. There are a couple other Guggenheim museums as well. There's one in Venice that has actually come up previously on this show. In episode one. one. Episode Literal one. episode one, I stole a Guggenheim. Taking the it back. The whole museum. And then there's also one in uh, Bilbao in northern Spain. And they're actually building one in Abu Dhabi, but that one's still in development. Um, but I just used the whatever was it was at the, uh, the Guggenheim in New York City, which... One sort of awkward thing about it was that really what they focus on at the Guggenheim is like impressionist, post-impressionist, early modern, and contemporary art. And you wind up with a lot of things that are sort of more in the style of like Picasso or Jackson Pollock. And it's a little less formed in a way that would be helpful for a combat scenario. (laughs) Now, in my opinion, I'm a fan of this kind of art, but... Maybe not the best choice, palatable wise. I think there's still a couple of, of good good hits in here, but um, a lot of it is pretty abstract. You sound like you're regretting your decision. <laughs> um, not entirely. I think it. So yeah. Worked so out like okay. if Chris is like if Chris with his Buzz Lightyear is Andy's house <laughs> of, of museums, you're definitely at the Sid's house of museums. Uh, it's funny. I was actually just going to come to that because there are a lot of sculptures <laughs> at the Guggenheim. But a lot of them are kind of like partially formed um, human-esque figures or things like that, or just like geometric shapes in three dimensions and stuff. Um, and literally the exact description I was going to use was the scenes in Sid's house in Toy Story when the toys <laughs> are like crawling towards them. I can only imagine the one with the robot spider legs, bald head. Yeah. That's well, the one I can... Well, picture right now well we'll get to that um <laughs> but uh, uh there are some that are more just like generally human so like the one example i have is um there was an exhibit by uh pavel altama who's a, a polish artist who basically made there was like a, a traveling guggenheim thing in um berlin and people who were who were like working at the guggenheim and stuff like that he made plaster casts of their faces and then mounted them on metal frames and extruded plastic over them to make them look human-esque. So it's 18 different, like, human-sized metal frame with plastic and then sort of realistic plaster faces uh, sculptures, which are kind of terrifying and vaguely Terminator-esque, but obviously not that strong. I mean, metal frame statue is going to be better than, like, a, a person. Right, yeah, it's, 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 it's relevant. And then those are the ones that I think would be, you know, not sort of, like awkwardly rolling around on the ground trying to get anywhere were, were those of the more sort of standard-esque type things but there are other things as well um there are obviously a lot of <laughs> i just imagine like all these nice statues lined up and you like give the charge order and just half of them just fall down oh oh no <laughs> doubt so there are also there are obviously a lot of like paintings and photographs and things at the guggenheim um, which we kind of decided would work like in like harry potter where the the things in the paintings would come to life and be able to move around, but not actually leave the painting, right? For the, for the most part, they're useless. Uh, really, the only thing you can get is if you can get any sort of strategy from one of them or something. So there are some that are maybe useful. There is The Soldier Drinks by Marc Chagall and Artilleryman by uh, Henri Rousseau, um, which are their soldiers. They probably have some sort of knowledge of combat so they could help lead. Wait, is, is the painting called soldier drinks or is there a soldier called drinks no no the painting is called the soldier drinks (laughs) (laughs) it's a soldier so maybe don't listen to all of his advice because he is drinking but um (laughs) you know probably most useful there is uh there was an installation called the ghost of muhammad ben kasim um by uh bani abidi 
which was uh, Muhammad bin Qasim was a general for an Islamic caliphate in the early 8th century who who invaded Persia at the time. So he would actually probably have some relevant information. So got that going for you. Uh, less useful photographs slash paintings. There's one called Keith from Gimme Shelter by Elizabeth Payton, which is a portrait of Keith Richards. So if you have any questions for Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones, <laughs> just knock yourself out. He's there. Uh, you got that going for you. He can provide a soundtrack. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe useful. There is um, Zidane, a 21st century portrait by Douglas Gordon and Philippe Perrineau. Uh, which is a series of portraits of Zinedine Zidane, um, most famously known for headbutting a dude during the 2006 World Cup. So, I mean, soccer is kind of like war, and he headbutted a dude, so maybe he has some insights. I don't know. <laughs> He'll instruct your soldiers to headbutt people. Yeah, you know, I think he's actually a coach now, too. So he has some, you know, tactics and whatnot. There's some stuff there. It could actually be relevant. I'm feeling better about my choice of five Teddy Roosevelt's. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe had a bit of a leg up there. I mean, out of the actual, the actual like exhibits that I think would make a real, real difference for the Guggenheim. Um, one, this is actually the reason I picked the Guggenheim, and I found it. Marcus knows this before we even brought up. Well, we had talked about this question before. Before I realized this was the next question, it was an installation by Sun Yan and Peng Yu called "Can't Help Myself." I'm gonna put a link, and so you guys can see this. I know Marcus, I think has already seen it, but um, Chris has not. And this is basically, I don't know how actually useful it will be, but I just wanted to talk about it because it was super cool. I wanted to figure out a way to talk about it on the show before we even got to this question. So here we are. Basically, these guys, they took a robotic arm, the kind they used to like make cars and stuff, put a shovel on the front, gave it computer vision, and then surrounded it with a viscous red fluid. It looks sort of unnervingly like blood. And then that fluid spreads out and the camera's on it. Basically, when it, when it sees it pass a certain point away from the center, it moves the shovel around and pulls the liquid back. And it's really cool, actually. It's one of those things where, you know, people rag on modern art a lot, but this is actually pretty awesome. Once again, no idea how useful it actually is, but it is a robotic arm, which are dangerous. So and clean up blood. You got that and clean up blood. It can see, you know, so you got that going for it. I mean, the, the narrative in my head is that it just murdered somebody and it's like, oh God, oh God, oh God, yeah. nobody. Looked. That's very much what it looks like. <laughs> Definitely what I it looks this. like. Why'd they choose red? <laughs> I, I mean, I think, I think that's why they chose red because oh, okay. it's, yeah. It's a very blood, like, it looks it like really blood. It really exactly. looks very much like blood. Yeah. So it's very cool. You should, listener, you should look it up and, and find a video or something because it's pretty awesome. What was it called again? Uh, it is called Can't Help Myself uh, by Sun Yan and Peng Yu. If you just Google Can't Help Myself Guggenheim, you'll find it. But uh, now things that I think will be definitely more, more directly useful. I want to start out with uh, a sculpture by uh, Jeff Koons called Puppy. It was based on a, a small wooden sculpture of a terrier that he made in 1991. Um, it was like a 20-inch tall um, wooden terrier. And he chose the terrier because he thought it would be disarming and non-threatening regardless of the scale. And then to test it, he made a 40-foot tall stainless steel terrier <laughs> that is covered in living flowering plants. I'll, I'll put up a picture. 40 feet is big. Uh, 40 feet is pretty big. Is that the biggest thing we have? That's probably the biggest thing we have. Uh, no. Yeah, Marcus does have a 110-foot. Oh, man, it's not Dinosaur. Big. Oh, and right, yeah. We both have 40-foot T-Rexes. Oh, yeah. So I will <laughs> argue also that... Um, stainless steel is... Stainless steel is kind of a problem. Is, yeah, I think a stainless steel terrier versus T-Rex one-on-one is going to go to the terrier. But you have a family of T-Rexes. <laughs> he has a family. He <laughs> 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 um, If you'd like to see, there is there is puppy. Oh, what? oh, it's it's more plants than I imagined. Well, it's basically... It's steel covered in plants, right? It's, it is non-threatening. It is non-threatening. It is also a 40-foot-tall stainless steel dog. <laughs> it's, just, it's hard to explain because it's not what I imagined in my head it, when you It kind of it. looks like just if someone, if someone made a, a, um, like a, a hedge sculpture that was shaped like a dog. It's kind of what it looks like. But there are many types of dogs, and some dogs look threatening. This one does not. Yeah, terriers are not a more threatening breed. It's not a threatening-looking dog. 
And also the colors of all the flowers are very variable, like very fallish color, but it goes like from green to pink to white to red to yellow all over and brown. It's just like right it's a mess it's it's a mess but not in a you know bad in art way but just in a not what my brain expected mm-hmm. way uh for things that do look more threatening and speaking of uh sid's sid's uh spider toy in um toy story we have uh maman by louise bourgeois which is a 30 foot tall bronze slash marble slash steel spider that looks ripped out of like an alien movie oh it's very sharp and spindly yeah that it's that a, could be useful for you. <laughs> it's the it's the daddy long leg spider with but like where the legs are like stabbers. Yeah, they're like like needle metal needles. Damn, that thing's ugh. Yeah, so we got that, which is fun. It is just yeah, seriously, giant metal hell spider. So it's pretty cool. Not not great to look at. I'm gonna keep on moving. Seems irresponsible to leave it outside. <laughs> right, it's for real. Uh, and then finally, I don't know exactly the best way to to wield this, but I do know there is, you know, there is a lake in, in uh, Central Park, and I do think I might be able to have some, some water superiority because I have a boat that's also a giant Swiss Army knife. Okay. <laughs> he just sent uh, this a is, picture of it. This is uh, Knife Ship 1 by Klaus Oldenburg and Kuje von Bruggen. It is a giant Swiss Army knife. I don't know the exact dimensions. I know that the the max height, which I believe is probably the tip there of the corkscrew, uh, the blades open up like mechanically. So I don't know if it's the tip of the blade, if it goes all the way up or the tip of the corkscrew there. But the max height is 31 feet, 8 inches. Oh, sorry. It's 40 feet long. It is there. I was wrong. Yeah. So it's a 40 foot long. Oh, wait. But that's that's not the, that's just the maximum. Oh. It looks about 40 feet long. I think it's 40 feet yeah, long without the blades extended. Oh, well, the blades can't extend out to increase its length because that would destroy all the walls in the place. Right. But they do. So it, it, it wasn't originally it was actually displayed in um, Italy and they actually it actually like works as a boat. So they had it out on the water, and I know the blades do extend mechanically. Is there supposed to be some sort of symbolism or not? <laughs> Man, I don't think so. I don't. <laughs> here's my take on the, here's my take on this piece of art. Some guy needed to create a piece of art real quick, and he was looking around at the shit on his desk, and he's like Swiss Army knife, and he's fiddling with it, and he's like, huh, that's like a boat. Wait a minute, <laughs> let's make a boat out of this, and then got paid to make it 40 feet big so so apparently yeah so so this was apparently part of the course of the night which was a two-day multimedia multi-work land and water spectacle also involving human performers that he did in venice it also included an 18 foot wide espresso cup and saucer and house ball a 12 foot diameter ball to which various pieces of foam furniture were bound uh knife ship one was the uh, dramatic finale of the performance. So yeah, it's just a giant Swiss Army knife that's also a boat. I don't. It's like the dopiest thing. I can't imagine just being. And now the grand finale, and then there's like a little. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was all it, that was sort of the intent was that it was sort of goofy and weird. Even the name of it, Knife Ship One, sounds like a parody. It it is. He was definitely. This was kind of his his shtick was was just doing weird weird stuff art, right? <laughs> That's kind of what I have. Oh, there is actually one other thing I have. Uh, it's an art installation by Meg Webster called um, Cono de Sal, uh, which is Italian for cone of salt. It's a six foot tall cone of salt. That's it. I don't know oh, what to do with I that. Wa- I was waiting for a picture. I'll, have to, I'll, post ha- a picture. I'll cross slugs <laughs> off the list of my natural exhibit oh, I can, museum. I here. can find the picture. Hold on. I had it. I didn't apparently... Um, <laughs> Yeah, Save I don't it. really need to see a six-foot cone of salt, Ben. I mean... And the viewers can't see a six-foot cone of salt. Well, but you, and you're going to send it to me and be like, wow, that's a lot of salt. I mean... <laughs> man, why won't this stupid thing paste? There we go. Hey, it's a cone of salt. Right. <laughs> exactly what it says on the 10. It's more impressive than <laughs> I thought. As advertised. <laughs> I mean, it's a big it's a big cone of salt. It's very coney. It's it's a perfect cone of salt. It's really actually oh God, quite guys, impressive. This is this is horrible because not only is it boring to start with, the boring picture we're looking at, nobody else can see it. Imagine a cone. They make out of salt. <laughs> okay, we have established our teams. We've established our battleground. 
where do we want to start here on deciding who is going to win this fight? This is kind of tough to... I mean... There's a lot going on. There's a lot going a on. a lot of participants. Should we... Let's start with the dinosaurs, I guess. <laughs> yeah, let's start, with the, let's start with the elephant in the room, which is the, the elephants are scared of the dinosaurs. <laughs> right. So I've, your dinosaurs probably end up canceling out my dinosaurs, so I don't have any more. Yeah, I think the the big dinosaur. I think the big thing is the big thing. There's there's a hundred and twelve foot dinosaur. That's the big one. Every all the mid sized forty foot dinosaurs have competition. Mm-hmm. So the question is: so on my side, we got T Rexes. We got the two T Rexes. Chris has got two T Rexes. I would bet. I would think your terrier could probably fight. To, is probably the equivalent of two T Rex. Do we just start like equi- equating things and canceling them off and see who's left? With <laughs> Maybe stuff? I don't know. Is that how we typically do it? We typically don't have more than one thing in a fight. I I almost think the terrier can cancel out the big dinosaur. I think a 40-foot tall stainless steel dog is the equivalent of a 110-foot bone dinosaur. How big was the spider? Uh, 30 feet. 30 feet. Because the spider was a lot sharper. (laughs) Yeah. The The spider, I don't exactly know how I would fight the spider. The spider is... A lot. I think that's your strongest contender is a spider. The spider is really strong. Because, like, all of my things... All your things are, like, living organisms that are, like, fleshy. <laughs> yeah. I, I have, all my things are flesh and bone. <laughs> yeah. You, not, not your, basically what you're saying is that none of your things are nightmare beasts from hell. <laughs> 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 Whereas I clearly have one of those. And then depending on your feelings on stainless steel dogs, I mean... <laughs> I guess what's the win condition here? Like, is is it last thing standing? I mean, I guess, right? Like, that, I guess that's what it has to be, right? So, what could defeat the thirty foot metallic spider? I don't know, like, what the effect of liquid nitrogen would be on. Was it what kind of is stainless steel? Uh, bronze, marble, and steel. Bronze, marble, and steel. I don't really know that much about liquid nitrogen, how it affects metals. I mean, it makes them cold. I can tell you that. I think it would make them more brittle, right? Metals become brittle at temperatures much warmer than liquid nitrogen temperatures. Yeah. So there's a chance. So you have a chance there. It's gonna be there's a it's gonna be a low success rate, I think, just because you will have to get to the spider with what's your best mode to get there? Edna riding a dinosaur? <laughs> Probably. You said you had some kind of flying dinosaur, right? I have. Yeah, I have a flying dinosaur. I also have the bees. I don't know if we can somehow use those. <laughs> Probably not. Those are very small. I don't think they can Each carry... bee will carry three grams of liquid nitrogen <laughs> onto, the, onto the spider. Yeah. I'm pretty sure three grams is like twice as heavy as they are. And I guess the liquid nitrogen will just freeze them anyway. Yes, also that. Because <laughs> they're it's probably the same material. I think that's the, the, big, the big issue that you have is that you have to figure out a way to use the liquid nitrogen before you can use it right i mean edna can mix it into a big pot it's yeah, not too edna, hard to right, but how do you how do you like deploy it though right like dump it well it, 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 i it think can... we have to define edna's limitations then because can she build new stuff can she build weapons not anything that takes like days she can't invent a thing but she can like operate all your things i think mm-hmm. okay so can she make something that can like fire the liquid nitrogen do you need anything more than like a bucket or like a fire extinguisher? I don't know something that, that can propel it. Yeah, like a. Well, you need like something. Some sort of gun. You need something that can contain it that also can release it at pressure, right? Well, yeah, she's but she has experience working with like temperature resistant things. Plus, if you have a liquid nitrogen exhibit, you probably already have one of those things. She made Frozone suit. <laughs> That's fair, actually. That's a, actually a, a compelling argument. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. If Edna can fly on a dinosaur, oh, here's a problem. Flying dinosaur can fly. Pterodactyl skeleton has aerodynamic problems. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a skeleton, though. It's, it was the oh, fleshy Oh, it was like a model? Okay. Yeah. Oh, it was the fleshy one. Okay, it okay. Fleshy one. It wasn't just the skeleton. Okay, cool. I guess it wasn't like pterodactyl size, though. But also, Edna Mode is not a big person. <laughs> <laughs> How not pterodactyl size are we talking here? Um, I mean, it was still big. It was, it was like person size, I guess. Mm, that, that's a tougher sell. Oh, she's she's little, like a but... little, a little bigger than a person, but not like giant. Hmm. 
So I think it's going to be tough to get her high enough to avoid attacks from a 30-foot spider. How fast is this spider, do you think? I was just thinking that. I really don't want to think about it moving, personally. (laughs) I mean, it's not, like, bulky, right? Like, it's pretty... It looks like it would... Oh, God, I'm imagining it now, and I hate it. I'm trying to maybe equate it to just the speed of a normal spider. Well, that's terrifying. That's not good. That's not good. It's not good. <laughs> I guess... Uh, I imagine it moves like a movie monster where it, it goes. Right. It's not incredibly fast. Yeah. It doesn't so much skitter as loom. Yeah. Okay. I have my new plan. I have my plan now. I figured it out. I am actually going to use my stupid hall of minerals and, and gems. <laughs> oh my god. Because I can get my people on my on my titanosaurus... I can get them to land on the spider's back where it really doesn't have much mobility because it is daddy long leg style. Hmm. And then they can start sawing through the the legs with their harder their harder diamonds and minerals and gems. Take a while. <laughs> Alternately, do I have enough things that I can like Battle of Hoth style harpoon and toe cables <laughs> the legs around? So that one looks less likely. Tesla coil does use magnetic fields to create its electricity i don't know if that if i could apply that to the the metal spider somehow i don't know how that works so one thing i can't remember is bronze magnetic bronze is non-magnetic and marble is non-magnetic you said there's steel in there though right yeah so not all of it is magnetic i don't know what the proportion of each like material it is right um, I do want to say that that I'm pretty sure that that Puffy is going to be taking some headbutting lessons from uh, Zidane and going at the knees of your big old dinosaur. <laughs> Stop. Stop. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so I guess I definitely you definitely can take down skeletons. Yeah. It's kind of going to be a race of can I get enough big can I get enough crap onto your spider. <laughs> Right. Before all my things big enough to get onto the 30-foot spider are dead. Right. Um, you said your so have a, your little sun thing is going to be hot if you touch it, right? How hot do you think? <laughs> well, it would be the temperature of the sun. It would be 5,978 Kelvin or whatever the fuck it is. That's the surface. It's hotter in the middle. You could somehow um, touch it to the spider and melt yeah, it. Yeah, I was about thinking that. of ways. How are you going to move it there? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind the of problem. Thing. If I could trick the spider into walking into it, maybe... Spiders um, notoriously love the sun. Something to do with orbit. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I'm gonna say the sun is a non-fact. Like, yes, I could in my head. I can Goku energy blast the sun through the spider, and everything is wonderful. But I just can't physically figure out how to move you a sun, even if it's tiny. hide behind the sun. <laughs> it's it's small. The spider can step <laughs> over single it. Single file behind me. Yeah. Everyone hide behind this baseball. I'll, I'll bury the sun in the pillar, or the cone of salt. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything super hot at the Museum of Science. I feel like there should be, but I don't remember seeing anything. I mean, I think we have semi-reasonable there, there options. There are paths. To, yeah. There are paths to victory against the spider. It's, the spider's going to take a lot of our resources. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that it does give Ben a win percentage, which is not what I was expecting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when we started this. Thank you, Nightmare movie. Spider. Now leave my life forever. The giant the giant pooch. I'm a little less worried about the giant pooch. It is big and strong in metal. But I just feel like I have enough things of scale that I could like run at it that eventually they would. They're just eventually like, like dented to the point that it can't really do anything. It's kind of the idea. Yeah, like, like how many elephants do I need to send at it? Like, right. not that many. <laughs> and I have lots of elephants and bison and bears. I mean, and... Uh, it's big. I don't know. I think I keep it's understanding how define, big it is. It's hard to define when the metal things are dead. Right. Is anything with... Okay, so we got we got these two things. The, the two big question marks, I think, that we'll have to do by percentage at the end are the, are the big metal guys. Anything down a level that's going to be... That we need to talk about. Like, I mean, there is Knife Ship 1. <laughs> <laughs> the, the naval battle is going to be the least interesting thing ever i, I think a whale would it, it's on top of the water bed it's, it's like i think i could capsize it but then you're just pointing its corkscrew down <laughs> game set match 
Game set match corkscrew has changed direction. Game set match. I would say the blue whale would fairly easily capsize a boat half its size. I could just freeze all the water. That's not how liquid nitrogen not, works. No, Come on. you don't have that much liquid nitrogen. You have like have. one reasonable size container of liquid <laughs> nitrogen. I don't know. We don't have like vats there. Well, like if if this was in the movie Museum of Science, then I think that would kind of manifest as like super cold room. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> I think it's kind of how it works. <laughs> you haven't seen the movie, have you? I've seen clips. <laughs> oh, here's another way that we that could get it could happen is that you know one of my big dinosaurs could just pick up the spider and throw it in the water. Doesn't really kill it though. That just comes out of the water. Okay, scratch that. <laughs> <laughs> then the whale squishes it <laughs> at that point. <laughs> then it rides out on the knife boat. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've lost the plot. I feel of our like we lost the plot. Of our let's, fight let's, here. let's regroup. Yeah. I guess what what important question? What is the Tesla coil good against? Anything, all of Marcus's stuff. Well, that seems good. <laughs> Anything that's like organic living life. Would it be good against skeletons? Maybe not the skeletons, but all your fleshy things. Okay, so all my yeah. fleshy stuff are generally the smaller. Anything ones, with a nervous system. Anything with a nervous system, yes. Yeah, all the like basically once my big dinosaur skeletons are gone, the Tesla coils is a pretty effective defense. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing the only thing I got going for me, I think, despite all my giant skeletons, is that is just sheer numbers. Where I do have like when I say I have lions and tigers and bears, I have like you know there's like a display of like six elephants, and there's a display of like you know five bison and like you know a, a savannah scene with a whole bunch of them so i have the numbers yeah i listed all those animals that i had i basically have one of all of those with the exception of bears i have several bears wait and how many how many how many legs does your spider have uh, i'm counting it appears to be eight which is a- accurate to real spiders yes eight eight legs because <laughs> i got because i have the six stages of evolutionary horses so I could send six people with ropes to grab six of the legs. Oh my god. If your if your spider impales a horse and then the horse gets stuck <laughs> then then the leg is useless now. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go so far as useless, but <laughs> I was I was thinking of draw and and double quartering the spider. But I don't have quite enough. I mean I, I I'm sure I have you know enough animals you could ride, but I have only six stages of evolutionary bone horses i don't know if i would want to send flesh and blood animals out against the big spider that seems a little sad right skeletons can go explode but you know i don't want to have like a, you know a bear getting stabbed by that thing on my conscience that's right. not good all right so should we try to should we try to wrap it up and put things into percentages i, I think so yeah, i think we're at that point percentage is gonna be tricky on this one it is gonna be it's gonna just be how we feel about it, how we feel about I guess just in here. general yeah mm-hmm. so i think ben is the front runner I think Ben's a front runner. It's it's and the odds of taking down the spider and the dog. It's like right if it was if it was just the spider or just the dog, I don't think it'd be that big a problem. But I think like we need a lot of resources for each of them. Does Teddy? Does Teddy? Does Ted? Does General Teddy Roosevelt get any bonuses for big game hunting? Oh man, <laughs> you just blown this thing wide open. <laughs> he specializes in he this. He does. I think you do get you do get some some bonuses. Let's say I think I think it's safe to say forty percent of the time the nightmare spider and the dog just just you know brush off the attacks and just spend their time stomping everything. They are horrible and massive and made of metal. Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah. The other sixty percent of the time, they get resolved, you know, whether it takes all you know, most of our forces or we get lucky. At which point, Ben, what's the backup after those two giant things that you have? You have the, the painting arm robot? Yes, the arm robot and uh, knife ship one. And then the the, the team of of metal oh, skeleton metal sculpture dudes and then various other, like, impressionist sculptures. Okay, I'm going to give you then 42%. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> because I think after those two, um, based on just... Um, what percentage of me and Chris's forces are left, you're going to have a tough time. Yeah, I agree. Wait, there's also the cone of salt. Did you consider the cone of salt? 
Oh, sorry, 41%. <laughs> so then, if the big metal ones get dealt with, me and Chris, it's kind of... I think I have an advantage on Chris's thing, but the Tesla coils are still problematic. Mm-hmm. I think I have higher quality things, but you have more things. Uh, a lot of it is going to depend on whether, like, the big dinosaurs are still standing. Yeah, and I think if the spider gets killed, odds are that most of the time I'll have the bigger dinosaurs left. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to split it... Like 60-40? Like, yeah, like 60-40 after the 60-40 we give to Ben. I also right. think that the robo-bees could... Like, we didn't really talk about them, but I do think they could do a good amount of damage if they, like, fly inside a dinosaur or something. I don't... I really don't what? think so. I don't know. I'm just thinking of the Black Mirror episode. That's what they did in Black They're Mirror really episode. small, man. <laughs> they weigh less than one-tenth of a gram. Yeah, but that just means they can get into small places. Like and do what? A dinosaur's brain. Fly up the dinosaur's nose into its brain. I don't think it's going to be able to do anything. Like, it doesn't even have, like, metal parts. It's all, like soft plastics that contract with electricity would do you want to have a flat uh soft plastic in your brain <laughs> i mean no but i don't think it's necessarily i i'm on team bet i don't think that the, the bees do anything <laughs> also if if it comes down to the bees the, they're not going to be relevant against the numbers like me me and you chris we have armies of animals attacking each other that is true. Well, I was thinking that I could get into your, like, big dinosaur and kill your biggest dinosaur. So you don't have that anymore. I don't think that's going to work. But I have a lot of big dinosaurs. Like, you kill, the, you kill the 112-footer, and I have, like, seven 40-foot dinosaurs. <laughs> and a giant sloth. And a mammoth. And a mastodon. Yeah. I'm going to keep talking skeletons until I raise my percentage even higher than 64. <laughs> <laughs> I have all the, like, high-tech stuff, though. But in, this, in, the, sake, in the sake of mercy and science, I think I'm going to leave like that. So, if we do two 60-40 splits... And we give Ben 2% chance with his leftovers. <laughs> the final tally is R. Well, Ben's going to be the winner with 42%. That one we already know, so there's no drama there. I get 35% and Chris gets 23%. One of our more even fights we've had. Yeah. I I disagree, but whatever. <laughs> you always disagree. Well, I feel like I thing. had no say in those percentages. <laughs> what would you... How well, that's would because you... your argument was... Was robot bees are going to take down a 40-foot skeleton. I think you and me are more even than that. I think we're, like, pretty even. I mean, 60-40 is pretty even. 60-40 is pretty even. I have at least five to six times more animals than you do. But I have all the, like, the electricity stuff is very dangerous. (laughs) And I like liquid nitrogen. We don't know how much liquid nitrogen I have, but I feel like it's more than just, like, one container of liquid nitrogen. And that's all fine and good, but, like, if a bear is attacking you, liquid nitrogen only does so much. But electricity does a lot. Electricity will kill you instantly. <laughs> well, okay, that's not true. <laughs> we didn't establish how de- deadly it is, but if an army, if, if 12 animals charge it at once and two of them get zapped. Um, I guess I don't know exactly how deadly the Tesla coils are, but I think they are pretty deadly. They are, but it's kind of a, a like, they have to charge up, right? Like... You're going to get one shock off. No, you can get a lot of shocks. Off. Like in the show that they do, they play like a song with the Tesla coils and they have a bunch of notes playing after each other. Right. But that's also going to be a lot lower power you have to do to actually do damage. So as the host of the podcast <laughs> and the one with absolute dominion over all that you hear, the percentages shall remain as they are. Ben in first place, 42% with the Guggenheim. Me in second place, 35% with the American history of... Ah, with the... What are the words? All in order. American Museum of Natural History. And then Chris with the uh, Boston Museum of Science at 23%. We'll argue about it more in the behind the scenes. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll it's get a guarantee. You can, explain. You, can, you can go into your bees again, and I'll try and listen that time. Okay, Chris. Yes. We, did, we just did an episode about museums, so it's all about the learning today. But sometimes too much knowledge is a bad thing. So... Would you rather read the spoiler alerts before every movie or read the last chapter of the book before you start chapter one? Um, I watch way more movies than I read books. (laughs) (laughs) 
I agree with that sentiment. I also agree with that sentiment. I think that even disregarding that, I think it's actually clearly reading the last chapter of the book because like not all the spoilers are going to be in the last chapter. Right, exactly. You'll know you'll know how things end and sometimes not even that cuz some last chapters are weird. But like you'll know the end point but not how you got there whereas with the spoiler warning, you will know, you know, like every twist through the through the, you know, through the movie. And usually if it's a spoiler warning, it's like highlighting the the big things right in the story. you'll notice like all of the all of the plot points basically all the important things so the only thing the only thing i'm thinking about on the other side of the coin is that one when i go and read a book it's a lot more commitment that i'm spoiling for myself like i'll go see a movie and i can and here's the other point i can enjoy a movie even if i know what's going to happen i rewatch movies all the time and it's a lot more of the sensory experience of watching the movie the book is like entirely cerebral and if I'm going to spend weeks or a month or whatever reading a novel, I really don't want to know the end point if I'm reading a story for the first time. I do think if you know the spoiler or the ending, you can still enjoy something, even if even if it is a book. You can still enjoy like watching them set it up and figuring out how they set it up. Oh, there's 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 always there's going to still be things to enjoy, but it it sucks to read like one thing that gets me in reading a book or something is, is when you because you have to create the images of these characters for yourself like you have to put more effort into developing your own characters when you read and if i read in the last chapter that like a character dies and i start to like that character i'm gonna like just socially distance myself emotionally <laughs> distance myself from that from that character through the book and i'm really just not going to enjoy that character as much because i don't want to make that attachment before they die because i am fr- emotionally fragile <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same for movies though no, like I said, the movie's a lot less commit. Like, yeah, it's spoiled for me. I don't watch a lot of movies either, but I can more easily just be along for the ride in a movie than be along for the ride in a book. Because again, you have to commit to reading the book. If I knew, if I read the last chapter of a book, I probably wouldn't even finish. I wouldn't even read a lot of books anymore. I would probably stop reading a bunch. I don't think I would stop watching movies. I guess another point too, like with regards to to like movies, a lot of my favorite movies are like crazy asian action movies and i don't give a shit about spoilers there that's not why i'm here <laughs> so that's, that's a good point although i do like also like movies that are a little more you know like the twist is a decent part of it so i don't know i i still think it's the book but i can definitely see the argument yeah i think it's a pretty easy choice i think most people would choose the book i think most people would choose the book because i think most people watch a lot more movies than they read yeah, yeah. I think if you read and watch movies at a, I'm going to use the term loosely, comparable rate, I think it's closer. I enjoy myself a good book. Not that I read too many, but I think I would rather the movie get spoiled. Plus, I don't have to watch, then I can just like be up on the pop culture references. <laughs> I don't have to watch all the movies. Also, like the last chapter of a book, a lot of times it's just like everything's already been resolved and it's just all happy now, but you don't see how it got resolved. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. I feel like it's actually not that bad a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like the last the last chapter can be can be something, you know, that's not relevant. So you could get lucky, but I don't want to I don't want to play those odds. I'm going to go I'd rather get the movie spoilers. And that's just where I'm at landing. I I would rather read the last chapter of the book, I think. Yeah, same. All right. You guys can be wrong once again. <laughs> this is the part of the show where I ask for stuff. This is episode 95, which means we are quickly 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 approaching our 100th episode in which we are doing 100 hypothetical questions in 100 minutes that's a lot of questions so we need questions from you the listener please send us questions send us to them now because we record in the future this will be your actual last week to submit a question if it is not submitted by the end of this week and you know the end of the month now in may it is, we will have recorded the 100th episode already by the time episode 96 comes out. So please, please, please send them now. Don't sit on it. I'm sure we would love to answer it. If it's an awesome question, it might not be in the 100. We might do a whole episode on it. Who knows? But we would be super grateful to get your questions. Send them to our, uh, either by email, absurdhypotheticals at gmail.com. Uh, tweet them at us. Um, that's going to be at absurdhype, H-Y-P-E, hype. Uh, our Facebook page, Absurd Hypotheticals, or any other way that you can manage to get in contact with us if you have a secret fourth way. So go ahead and go through any channel you'd like. And 
because we are so grateful for questions that we get, we are going to reward you. Uh, Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? We're going to reward you with a free audiobook. So I have, um, I have a book that I wrote called Serial Cortex, and it is a sci-fi crime thriller. It's about homicide detectives that go inside the mind of a serial killer, and they investigate. Can you read us the last chapter right no, now? No, don't want to spoil it. <laughs> he hasn't written it yet. <laughs> also, I don't think it would apply because it's an audiobook. Fair. All right. So, ha. Um, but yeah, if you if if this sounds like something you're interested in reading slash listening to, then in when you send us a question in the email, say code please at the very end, and I'll send you a code. Yeah, and you get a free book. Yeah, you'll get a free book, and you can and you can start with the last chapter if you like, even though Chris just denied us that enjoyment. But I've read some of Chris's books; they're pretty freaking good. It's not his first rodeo, and it will be fantastic, I'm sure. As always, feel free to hop onto our Patreon and subscribe there for just a dollar a month. You get access to our behind-the-scenes episodes where we do all sorts of crazy things. We're going to be doing a practice run of, of this 100 episode on there, so if that sounds interesting to you, check it out. Oh, yeah, where we find out if it's what we've been promising for months will work at all. <laughs> and then panic. Yeah, we're kind of committed pretty hard to this, and man, it could be a disaster. <laughs> probably should have done this earlier this this practice run but that's okay uh if you want to watch our whole podcast concept crash and burn it'll cost you a dollar but in any case next week's episode is free every monday it's free and you can join us when we answer the following question what if you could perfectly train bats